Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jules Gill. Now, as Yo. I, we started talking before about Sifu, and I wanted to open the podcast on Sifu anyway, so we'll just pick up where we left off. You're raging out about being hit by one of the disciples. Well, this is the problem, is this, that you and I, every time we uh, meet each other for these uh, podcast <laughs> things, so we, so we have like a bit of banter beforehand before we start, and then we start recording, and I'm like, oh, Dad, we always, we always talk about the most insightful <laughs> stuff first, it's like it should be saved for the podcast. Yes. yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. I'm Jules. He's Scott. We're talking about all your questions. But first, I've got a question for you. Sifu <laughs> question mark. Um, it's a great game. I am in love with this. I played yes. it on live stream, uh, Live and Let's Dice on Wednesday and had a fantastic time with it. You did insanely and I to, well. I got to my, I got to the third level and partway through the third level and my first attempt blind. And I was, everyone was like, that's really good. I'm like, yeah. Because I, I, I was like, video games. I was like, I'll check in on, on Mr. Jules because I wanted to see you play Sifu. It reminds yeah. me of when we went down to play Sekiro down in London before it came out and I got smashed. I couldn't be, I mean, not drunk. I got actually pasted into the ground. Like I couldn't beat that chained ogre at all. And then you were just like, just like shrugging. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, got through the first boss. You were defeating Lady Butterfly, you were flying. Yeah, I got, I got to the. I remember I got to the corrupted monk, and they had the. Um, was it Sherry, the guy who was? Yeah, uh, yeah the, the PR was, guy. Uh, he was the PR guy. He was like standing behind me with a few of the other people. He's like, no one's got that far. Like, do we even know what happens? <laughs> people get to this part, part of the demo. Like, like, you, <laughs> you and Josh have like you're like Adonis's. Like you sort of look. I feel like you look at the game and it just completes itself at this point. Like it's ridiculous. But, I like, wish that was the case. Like, <laughs> I wish it was. But like with Sifu, um, obviously the game's getting a reputation for being insanely hard. And I like last night or the night before, whatever it was, times of flat. I managed to get the true ending on it, which is where you nice. go back through the game and you beat all the bosses by depleting their stamina twice so that you can spare them. It's a whole separate yeah. thing, um, which I don't know if you can do first time through. The whole point of it is that you learn um, what happens after you beat the final boss and then you're like, okay, I'll go back in and I'll do yeah. some other stuff. Un- unfortunately, this that was uh, that uh, effect was kind of spoiled for me because mm. I was going through it with the mindset of just like, you know, uh, I would play the game how it tells me it wants to be played. Yes. Um, but looking at that, I thought to myself, because I knew that on the Wednesday morning, I was mm. like, do I go through? my first stream trying to spare them i was like i'm not going to do that because that's just not how i want to play it I, I by the time i got to 
defeating the machete man in the yes. first thing and then uh, Sean in Fahar. the second one. Yeah, when, when I got to that, I was like, I want to kill these guys yes. because they have put me through well, absolute hell. That's why, like genuinely right now, Sifu is my game of the year. I don't think it's a five-star game, but I, it is for me personally my game of the year. Like I think that that first run through where you're just in pure vengeance mode and you're like riding high on the power of it and you're smashing dudes into the environment and it just feels empowering. It feels great. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of challenge to it, but you get through it and the game very much plays a card of like, oh, you were driven by vengeance. You were driven yeah. by bloodlust. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't go escape back the through. cyclical cycle. The cycle of yeah, yeah, and like go back through and and really master uh, Wu Day and, and master Kung Fu and, and realize what forgiveness can be or, or whatever. Well, it's just it's it's such a good game. Interestingly, what really like I I just love the movements of this game mm. and the whole thing of when uh, people announced that you could obviously spare the bosses. Yeah. It came as like a shock, but also there's actually hints of it that it was always an option in mm. the very, very beginning because when uh, you are doing the training sequences, when it all turns red and you mm. see all of the martial arts styles and then it teaches you some very basic tutorials as you fight shadows of the bosses you're about mm. to uh, confront. When it comes to uh, the final boss, your character goes through this uh, very aggressive format where they do like sort of like uh, rolling punches. Yeah, they yeah. do lots of very aggressive aggressive stances and it's all punctuated by very quick sharp movements but then just before they face the boss they pull a pose they do uh, do a deep breath they stop ah. pose themselves and bow slightly like they are letting go of a I ton of energy to fight. That. so cool. it's all of the rage had to be focused yeah. at that one point so i was like man that is actually clever storytelling without saying anything. honestly like the way that they because the thing is like obviously there was that whole story about um the percent the trophy percentage drop off on uh, ps4 ps5 80 uh, percent of people beat the first area beat the first boss 27 percent nice. of people then beat the second boss so there's Ooh. a massive oh. drop off um, hence why they've patched the second boss to try and get more people through um but if you do stick with it and you get through it the second boss is uh well other than the last one is the hardest one in there i would say really? but there are techniques that once you get down you know like the swaying stuff you can beat all the bosses by swaying out the way of everything it's just timing um, i've heard but... that the third boss is a nightmare like, that's... Yeah, her first phase is horrible. Uh, even even like now, where I've got the true ending and I know all the patterns, it still catches me out because it's so many wide sweeps. Oh that you just no, I'm really not looking forward to, to that. <laughs> not forward the second that. phase though is brilliant. Um, and just you know, that game has so many little subtle rewards, like where you're sort of you know maybe you unlock the ability to catch a weapon. This just reminded me of like in the third phase, in the second phase of the third boss, um, she throws daggers at you that come out come okay. at you really really fast. And the first time you're just like, oh my god, can you not kill me in like two hits? <laughs> yeah. But then you go back having learned how to catch weapons and you can just catch them out the sky like you know yeah. you catch a kunai and throw it straight back at her again and it's so sick um but also the thing that i think is an extra layer to it is that the story of what's really going on and like the like who you are and who um you know how the aging works and is it in your mind because obviously your character gets killed at the very beginning and yeah. what's really been going on and um, if you scour all the environments first time through you'll get a certain amount of of that stuff but mm -hmm. second time through um you know if you're making a point of completing it and completing the detective board that you have which is like per area all the information that you can find you find a whole lore that's there about what's really been going on, who these people are, um, this like ancient history. I'm not going to spoil all of it, but this ancient history okay. of what's going on in regards to uh, time-bending powers and stuff. And I was like, this is so cool. And yeah. um, it recontextualizes <laughs> the intro, and it recontextualizes who you are. Oh, and really? I'm just like, hardly anybody's going to see that stuff because of that 73% drop-off. But if they do, if they stick with it, I think Sifu is incredibly rewarding, just literally the more you play, whether you're getting oh. better as a player or the more you ex explore the world. Even literally realizing that you can go through the museum exhibit by exhibit and it's fundamentally an extrapolation right. of that character's psyche it's so cool when i was going through the museum museum bit i was stopping and looking at thinking yeah. like, oh some actual time and effort's been put into these uh these art They're like actual uh, art exhibits i, I, was, like, I yeah. was looking at them like 
like, oh, and they're actually like foreshadowing some of the events because I know that the giant kunai that's swinging in the middle of the mm. room like a pendulum that's got all of the ink dropping off of it, mm. that goes into the final boss's like second phase, doesn't yeah, it? Where she's yeah, like, yeah. Throw- I was like, oh, okay, this is <laughs> kind of nice foreshadowing. It's it's dangerous, it's huge, and it's an obstacle to overcome. I love I that like, thing yeah. as well because you can just like like just punch it into people. It's just so cool. I did do that, yeah. And that's then I got the, clattered the by it myself. And yeah, that's like, the thing. I, if you're like, I was like getting ready back. to like block something. I was like, come on, mate, this is the last punch. And it just went bang into the cemetery. Like, oh my. So how have you found um, actually no let me because we we should I, I was gonna say yeah, should sorry say everyone that the, <laughs> that the entire part of the podcast is where we take on as many people's questions talking points whatever as possible um <clears throat> we did get a couple for sifu itself though cool. um so i'll throw this in because sifu i mean there's so many games now um yeah. elden ring will be next week horizon releases today <clears throat> excuse me my throat um it's because Pokemon, you're choking on the content i'm just mate. trying to get so much stuff to talk about <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> all of the takes um but yeah sifu is uh, is the thing that i've I, it has been dominating me cyberpunk i absolutely love again whatever we'll get to all those things sure um sure. to fold one thing into the quick uh, sifu discussion though uh travis nichols um says sifu was a damn accomplishment how can a small team with a relatively small budget make an absolute unit like sifu while dice and ea with mega budgets can't make a proper sequel do smaller teams have better visions does bloat budgets create worse games what do you yeah. think of that so uh, i think that you are you hit the money on hit the nail on the head there mm. because of the fact that when you get uh, a larger budget you have to homogenize your game to approach uh, make sure that you're approaching the widest market possible it's just yeah. simple like economics you you put money in you want that money back plus extra and it extrapolates the more it goes up so if i put in 10 quid i might only want 20 quid back but if i put in 100 million i might want 500 million back because that is a big risk of investment that goes in there now obviously in order to do that it means that all of the corners have to be shaved off it has to be the smoothest the and easiest like yeah, the safest product possible so that is unfortunately why big and a big uh budget blockbusters do tend to sort of skirt the line of just familiarity. I mean, it's why the Far Cry franchise has just been doing the same thing over and over and over again, because it knows it can trade on what people want from that experience. Mm -hmm. And like, I'd be a hypocrite to say that I... I don't like people who play those games because I play Dynasty Warriors, which is literally the yeah. same game and has been for like 20 well, years have, like, now. Horizon is incredibly safe. Like it looks gorgeous, but gameplay mechanic wise and the, the things you're doing, it's like the best version of the Ubisoft yeah. formula you could possibly get in meant in the best way possible. They've nailed that stuff. They've added a decent story to it, whatever, but it's very safe. You can see Zero Dawn was the same way. But what's really interesting is that the risk is different for an independent Mm. studio. The risk there may not be monetary in the sense of they have huge budgets that they need to make back their costs on. It may be that this is their livelihood. But Mm. because of that, that drive, that whole, like, if you do not make it here, if you do not put in your life into this project, if you do (laughs) not make this the best thing, it might lead to your like abject failure, which Mm. like, you know, you should always keep trying. Failure shouldn't be a reason to stop trying to do stuff, but still Mm. it's different for smaller uh, independent shoes than it is for the bigger ones. They can absolve a loss like that. They won't want to, but they can. Whereas Mm. the smaller one, they put in that time, that effort, that passion, and that rewards those ingenious singular ideas that are then extrapolated out into a full game. Like Sifu, when you boil it down, Mm. is a a martial arts game that has an incredibly fluid combat system. That is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one idea done really, really well. Yeah. If you added that, if you put that into a bigger Batman game or something like that, people would say, oh, that is just one facet of what makes this game. Yeah, like so you were talking more and about you, the story and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and the more stuff you add in, the more bits and elements that you try to tack on and have unique elements to it, the more that can go wrong with the overall product. Mm-hmm. So a smaller focus designed uh uh, mentality like this really does reward the smaller studio. So yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Slow clap, uh, big claps to them. One thing to throw in as well is that uh, Dave Lang, who works for Iron Galaxy, who are like a port studio, uh, he once talked about, he's on Giant Bomb,
Palm and he was talking about how every game has a design matrix and it's mm-hmm. all, you know, which element affects everything else. Everything is interlocked. It, it was He was giving an example of, you know, Fallout is this insanely complex design matrix. Like even picking up a cup affects everything else because of how that design interacts with the UI and the inventory and the way you pick it up and the animation yep. and everything yep. else. And he was like, once you start thinking of each game's design matrix, you see how many different points on that matrix can go wrong and how so many different things can break. Hence why the likes of Bethesda's stuff um, for the longest time was an absolute mess. And so if you like, make those projects smaller and you focus in on, on making sure that everything is tightly knit, then like Jules was saying, then you can make sure it's a more proficient product overall. There are less less risks being taken necessarily in the design aspects, um, which lets them deliver. I think as well, I have, I have my personal theory on this. I think that as we've, uh, as society has advanced, let's say, mm-hmm. and as social media has become more proliferant, proliferant, prolific, and as uh, more data is being shared, I think that emboldens the publisher, the money cruncher, the stat cruncher side of things, which means that a lot more big business types get involved in the design and just say, why are you doing that? that that's yeah. not what we should do. Yeah. Uh, actually can that month's worth of stuff. The, the, the trend doesn't show they want that anymore. Everything is test audienced to death, yeah. which seems like that's what happened with Battlefield, uh, which also happened with Anthem. And um, It happened with the Avengers, know. because obviously yeah. um, they uh, Square Enix went, and like this is uh, taking it out of context, they they blamed Crystal Dynamics for their failure, even yes. though they were the ones that clearly insinuated Same that the with game play and do well. exactly all of the um, uh, the live service model stuff that had already been accepted. Honestly, every time any behind the scenes report comes out, like Mass Effect Andromeda or like any mm-hmm. of the bigger teams, you can see why if you were a largely soulless businessman, a business person, let's say, you would get involved saying, well, this is going to make the most money, just do that. And then yeah. you're forever looking at the stats, you're forever looking at the test audience data, and you're forever changing that core idea of what something can be. The less money crunchy stuff at the top, the more free a design studio is, hence the likes of Sifu. And mm-hmm. so I think I think that the top tier stuff is fast fascinating when it can actually be pulled off like horizon is, is a gorgeous brilliant game i give it four stars i think the story's not as good as zero dawn but whatever the vast majority of that game totally works um and the design ethos lines up with the publisher ethos because sony need that thing to be knocked out of the park mm-hmm. ea would rather kick something out and get a paycheck and mm-hmm. fix it later mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. is absolutely what the case is in battlefield and obviously that game has been weirdly pulled and stretched to be like a half hero shooter half battlefield half call of duty thing Three yeah, no one, no one's happy, happy with it either. Yeah, and so I think it is insane. I think that budgets are bigger than ever, but it means that the risks are bigger than ever. But then also you have people saying that things need to be safer than ever. And most of the time, those elements can't um, combine very well, and hence no. the likes of Battlefield. Um, but anyway, to get to more questions, mm-hmm. um, from Richard Frutel, who says, I want to play a game. Six major franchises, but you can only pick two franchises here. The others are eradicated from gaming history as well as their influence. Right. Which do you keep? The Legend of Zelda, Metal Gear Solid, Fallout, Monster Hunter, Final Fantasy, or Pac-Man? Okay, Pac-Man's gone. I'm not keeping... Yeah, Pac-Man is gone. <laughs> yeah, uh, j- just because of the fact that it's so different. Uh, I can actually... This is actually quite easy, I think, for me. I would take uh, Zelda and Metal Gear. Because okay, you ha- I would be... D- Metal- Zelda's design ethos, the whole item-based progression, the idea of, you know, like... And secrets as well. If you're yeah, taking the original yeah, Zelda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, scouring an open world, finding secrets. Metal Gear revolutionized cinematography in video games and cinematic presentation. Those two combined are the pillars of modern gaming. Yeah, I, the annoying thing is, is that I, I want to keep Fallout because mm. I have huge love for Fallout New Vegas, uh, parts of Fallout 3, uh, some of the shooting from Fallout 4 and mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. of, like, Fallout 1 and 2. So I want to say that, but... I have to accept that Fallout 76 is part of that lineup and I don't <laughs> want to give that any love. It's uh, interesting if you talk about like removing the influence of these games in gaming history. Yeah. Like, if you take Fallout away, I don't think that much changes. Um, but if you take Final Fantasy away, then you never got the JRPG Brick in the West thing that happened yeah. with Final Fantasy VII, which potentially changes the whole way role-playing games played out because you don't have any of that influence anymore. 
And obviously loads of nerds lose their uh, Trump card thing of uh, parties when they go, oh, what's the best Final Fantasy? And they try and be all like edgy and say, oh, it's Final Fantasy <laughs> 6. Have you been at my parties like, oh, again, come mate, on, Come on, mate. Like, I'm just on. saying. <laughs> Final Fantasy 6 is a great story, but it's it's not the best Final Fantasy game. Come on. I'm, I'm I, all in on I heard, on Do you know what? I heard a wild thought the other day. Go Somebody on. told me, like... No word of a lie, straight face. Tell me that Final Fantasy X was the best one of the entire thing. I was like, I was like, are you actually kidding? Who, like, who is this person? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out in the mate. But I'm just saying <laughs> that the Final Fantasy X is the best one. I was like, I, you, you I think maybe if, if Ten was your first one, because I love Ten. Like Ten was yeah. the first one on PS2. I, I could see the, the best for one. It. It's not the, the best, best one. one. The story's madness. My dad's yeah. a space whale. It's <laughs> it's, it's pronounced Tidus, not Tidus. Oh, come off it. Uh, anyway. It's definitely Tidus. Why, but, why um, did, I, yeah. I, do you know what? I reckon that the uh, developer was uh, having a laugh when he did that interview and just said, oh, it's pronounced Tidus. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, why? why I, yeah. he's, it's, he's literally from the water, tied. The come thing on, is, that's that, an easy wait. way for them to get that conversation going about Final Fantasy X again because it all of a sudden yeah. was in the headlines again. Yeah, um, it was. Which of these two games are you... Okay, I'm, I'm, keeping, I'm keeping Final Fantasy uh, because mm. I do really enjoy that. Plus, we can technically count all the spin-offs that you get from that as well. So you get like your Dirge of Cerberus. Tactics. You get your tactics games. Oh, oh Scott Helford. Oh, inviting you back mate. to the party. Um, obviously, we get the Chocobo Dungeon stuff, which would be fantastic yeah. as well. Chocobo um, GP's out soon as well. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm not holding great hopes. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to play it. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to play it. But it's like when it was like, oh, fantastic speed. I'm like, oh, 30, 30 <laughs> frames <laughs> per second, is it? Like, that's not speed at all. Anyway, no, right. Really. Okay. So that's key. I'm keeping that one. And mm -hmm. I think that I'm going to be keeping, uh, what was the other options again? So you got Pac -Man's Zelda, gone. Metal Gear, Fallout, Monster Hunter, or Pac-Man. Pac-Man's long You know one. what? I'm going to go uh, completely off opposite to you and I'm going to go uh, Monster Hunter. I Ooh. really love the Monster Hunter games. And like, I, I oh, got... You know what? I would love a gaming history that was more dominated by Monster Hunter and Final Fantasy. And it has, that would be thing, fascinating. The thing is, is that like, it hasn't had that much of an impact on the game overall. Like, no one is doing what Monster Hunter is doing. So it's kind no. of like, you can see that it hasn't like perpetuated like, into the wider there. Like, market there are, there's a little bit of monster hunter dna in horizon like going out and taking down the creatures yeah. getting their parts there's a bit of mm. it in the new pokemon in terms of like going out doing stuff coming back to a camp and banking everything see i think that's more a legend of zelda uh the mm. new pokemon game like it's a little bit it, oh yeah it definitely is in terms of the art direction mm. or like the the overall the sound design for sure um, yeah. in terms of gameplay loops it reminded me a bit of monster hunter but i'm but, doubling um, down monster okay. hunter and uh final fantasy either either way either of them would have massively changed gaming history which is kind of cool <laughs> um next question from corel type short who says do you think game reviews should do away with assigning scores and move to buy slash skip recommendations instead scott seems to love horizon sequel but between four star and a five star review is the difference material for gamers ah oh, yeah i totally agree with this i i don't understand working in the stars percentile system it's like what is it like, what makes a game 83 percent and not an 84 percent <laughs> like you know what i mean I, I feel like the more you add it in you end up in the wwe uh dave Meltzer rankings thing oh, where, okay. like your five star system is now a seven star system it doesn't You've got to add it, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Once you once you break it, you can't do it better. It's a six and like, star match. And if you say that something is five stars, that it's perfection, that there can be nothing wrong with it, mm. and I feel that that doesn't equate right because technically a game might be a three and a half, but you um, your emotional investment in the game yes. brings it to a five star because you love that. Like I totally adore um, uh, Deadly Premonition, mm -hmm, but the mm -hmm. thing is, is that like if somebody was like, oh, would you write that? Uh, would you recommend that? But hundred percent. 
Is it a good game? Uh, about three out of ten games. Yeah, but yeah. Like in terms of the emotional comedy that I, and the enjoyment that I had, ten out of ten games. So oh, I'd my, say it's like, five out of five experience. But that means nothing in the grand scheme of things. No, I, I like as a as a massive nerd. One of my favorite things is is review discussions because I I love mm. all that stuff. I love all the subjective objective stuff. I think there's an absolutely a way to say that a game is broken as hell, but you loved it. And there's a way to say that something is you know pristine and a five star product, but it wasn't for you. Like I think that all those things are that's more than valid. I think in regards to um star. I like the star system. I mainly, mainly, potentially historically, nostalgically, I like being able to say that, oh, this is a five-star product, or this is a five-star yeah. game, or whatever. Um, and I like to grade on stars. I just I just think that way. I'm like, oh, this is a three-star game, a three-and-a-half-star game. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. agree with you in um, percentage points, though. What's the difference between 83 and yeah. 84? But I think um, going down the stars stuff, and half-stars, let's say, to push, I think that yeah. can apply uh, quite nicely. But um, all that stuff about subjectivity and everything, I think all those agreements are fascinating, because mm-hmm. for an audience, um, to bring it back to type Shaw's question um that whole thing of like for me with horizon i gave that game four four stars i think that is to a mass audience a four-star game and i still said you should go play it and it is still a recommendation it's four stars it's eight out of ten whatever um but in that review i'm still giving i'm giving bits and pieces of subjectivity and what didn't work for me but i'm largely skewing towards objectivity and why it's you know like comparing them as products i think that's what you should do to a mass audience but that's different how me and you would talk about it and i think all that stuff is is worth it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Well, if I if I could change any way that we at What Culture do our review things, mm. it's making sure that the review comes and is made perfectly clear that it's that one person's personalized review on it. Because right. whenever we say we at What Culture give this, it's like it's not uh. indicative of all of our views on that. But unfortunately, because of the YouTube nature, we have to be seen as a like a sole force. That's a weird like. like- if, if it was like it's like. I give this my personal recommendation, but right. I'm not giving it a star rating. I'm just saying, I think you should go and play it. Oh, but I we don't skew think different. Because I, yeah. I go like, oh, this is a four star. This is a four star game. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm almost yeah. declaring that. But I, but it's funny because like, that's one of the things that came up like over the years is like how much a review is, def- is by default an individual's opinion. And, and it can only be that if you want to go wider philosophically. But at the same time, like I, I like that whole idea of like grading something uh, in a review capacity and saying like, this is a five star product yeah. and holding it up and being like, oh my, look at this thing you need to see it it's a five-star product but like but yeah i think it's a it's a never-ending conversation the the annoying thing about all of it is is that i know that you look at those box arts that have all of like the five-star rankings mm. and like 10 out of 10 stuff on it and my personal philosophy of yes i give it a personal recommendation but please <laughs> uh bear in mind if you're not a fan of this series or haven't you yeah, yeah, it, you yeah. might not get the most out of it might not fit as a box quote <laughs> like so well that's the thing. I'm always like, yeah, I always think it's, it's just a split. It's like, if I, I tend to be more subjective if I'm reviewing movies on like Letterboxd mm-hmm. or something. Um, but like, because I think that the Kung Fu Panda trilogy is a five star thing. You but love like, that Kung Fu Panda It's Pan such trilogy, a good right? trilogy, Jules. But like, if I was actually going to give it like more of it, if I was reviewing that for what culture, it would be yeah. more like like a four star, three and a half star, something yeah. like that. You'd have to be more critical of it. But yeah, I think all that stuff is fascinating. Um, I would always encourage people to read between the lines. Don't just go to the final score, even though it's very indicative. It's, it's obviously indicative of quality. But as is evidenced here, even between one or two reviewers, you'll get different approaches to what a review even is. What would be quite nice to do is <clears throat> if we were allowed to with the uh, review process is mm. put up our sort of what culture mandated review of like the star rating system. And like we give our sort of brief breakdown as to why it is. But mm. then we actually do a, like a follow up discussion on a podcast and stuff explaining why we came to that in much more detail. Yeah. Like, uh, like we did do a breakdown. Um... We didn't ask the reviewer thing a couple of times. I forget um, oh, nice. what that was for, but which game it was. Maybe Last of Us. Uh, we did something a little while ago called Ask the Reviewer where we sort of took different questions on and answered them that way, which, yeah, I would do way more of that stuff. Um, as is always, the YouTube gods deign everything because it depends <laughs> yeah. what actually takes off. And then yeah, we have to exactly. answer to our, our Big Ben. So it depends what gets done. Um, next question from a pinky who says, anything about cyberpunk? I'll give you a quick cyberpunk update. It's brilliant. It was always brilliant. It's more brilliant. They've, 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 <laughs> they've added in more stuff. Scale it. Um, it's funny because the vision that you reviewed back in the day is now what we finally have on consoles. Yeah. So it's like, like everyone going like, oh, so it was brilliant. Like, uh, yeah. it's, I, I still look back at it and I think that that's still like very shifty decisions made. Oh, yeah. There. Like yeah. only can use footage that we supply. You can only review it on the PC that has the specific spec and only if you play it on certain settings it's like mm. the warning signs were there but i just didn't see them because i was so blinkered in oh my god i get to play cyberpunk <laughs> uh early and uh yeah i'm finally glad that it's only taken what a year and a bit and people can finally play months. the game oh, people can play finally play the game that i was recommending to them before yes and it's, it's like thankfully they've uh, they've so they've sorted and changed so much stuff like whether it's the, the ui the skills are completely different gameplay yeah, they like rebalanced AI. a lot of those 
like yeah, combat vehicles, weapons, everything. Like it feels so much better. And it's it's interesting that um, the behind the scenes report back of the Trier put together, Jason Trier, um, said they were always aiming for 2022, and they couldn't believe they had to release it in 2020. So this yeah. feels like what they were always aiming for. But yeah, I've always been a fan. Imagine of that slicing two right. years off of your development. I know. Time. Imagine that, like just somebody coming along, like okay, how are you doing? Oh, it's about 75 percent finished. Right, cool. Mm. Ship it now. Done. But that's the thing. I'm fascinated. Like, that's that's that big business thing we talked about before. Of, like someone coming in, going like, well, you're gonna have to make it work. I mean, mm-hmm. the more you look into the history of Cyberpunk, the more it seems like the original version of it that was more like The Witcher 3 was completely changed to throw Keanu in there and do a first-person GTA chasing yeah. thing. So yeah, I think that stuff is fascinating. I think Cyberpunk is phenomenal. Always has been to me, it's subjectively. But objectively now, it's a way better product. Like, it's way more polished. It's way more recommendable. Um, you should, you, people should play it. I think there's a, there's a five-hour free trial that you can go check out. Yeah, definitely um, worth it. the next it. couple of days. So yeah, definitely that. Um, next question from Dan. What do we think of the Resident Evil 4 remake leak suggesting they've dropped the campiness of the original for a more horror-focused tone? Have you kept up with this stuff? Uh, yeah, I have kept up with it, but I also think it's absolute billy because the fact that, <laughs> yeah, okay, those leaks suggest that they've taken out the sort of like the silliness and over-the-top nature of it. Mm. But then they look at Resident Evil Village and that was silly and over-the-top and had yeah. barely any horror into it. That was If that's them trying to do a horror game, then I fully welcome <laughs> it because, mate, add more air quotes horror in because I had a right big slimy like, things. I should have, It was just like... I would say that the uh, Village and Seven are the least scary uh, Resident Evil games that mm. I've probably ever played. Maybe six, actually, because of how comedically bad yes, it was in yes. places. But it's like, if that's them trying to do horror, but they're turning out comedy, See, I'm actually I'm... enjoying it more because it's like, it's the it's we're going back to yeah. the Resident Evil B-movie days of yore, where it's like, they're, in, they're unintentionally writing terrible dialogue and creating these <laughs> characters that are interacting in ridiculous ways that makes me laugh. And I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah, this is well, incredible. Like, they've nailed that. Um, they've nailed that campy approach to horror. Like you said, Village is the, is the like zenith of it almost. Yeah. It's like, how much further can they push this? Um, but at the same time, I wonder, I took the leaks as them trying to skew more towards Resident Evil 2's remake, where like that was quite yeah, realistically was quite, rendered yeah, and, yeah. and atmospheric and, and whatever. Like it had its more over-the-top bosses, more towards the end, like Burke and stuff. But like still, I thought that's what they're going to aim for, which is weird because they're only getting like two different strands of Resident Evil as they go forward. Yeah. You've kind of got the the RE2 remake and RE3 remake, and then the main series is like crazy and like like um, Lady Dimitres turns into like a giant horse wing. Yeah, that was weird. For <laughs> the very last part. <laughs> so yeah, I think um, I'm a bit cautious of them changing the opening for RE4, but I guess in a way it makes the original still valuable because it's like well that one still stands out. The um the setting of Resident Evil 4 definitely plays more towards being very horror focused in mm. the sense of it's the creepy abandoned villages, it's the underground mines and stuff like that. They do lend well to it and the characters such as the Regeneradors and the um the horrible insect-like creatures that are the guards of um uh, Salvador. Um Salvador's a dude. I've not the thing is I've not played RE4 since what was it 2004? What I'm trying to say is that there's tons of elements in there that could Mm. easily be just tweaked slightly and be made utterly horrific because they wouldn't need to change that much. Like um they the regenerators, (laughs) which are the uh spiky shuffles. And the ones that go like <laughs> like if they just keep even that sound that's file. That's me before my inhaler. Yeah. <laughs> if they just made that sound file part of the main game, I'm in. I'm in, man. I'm in. Yeah, I think that like that was the thing. That enemy, the regenerator thing, was always held up as one of the scariest in Resident mm-hmm. Evil anyway. So if they double down on that thing's face and mm-hmm. re-render it and stuff, it could be cool. Um I'm just excited for more Resident Evil. I, I liked eight, but I loved two remake. I was yeah, like, two remake was one of my time favorite games. Like me when me and you uh got it, we were just yeah. blasting through it, just going like this is so good. Remember we did that stream? Yeah, that stream that was really fun. That yeah. was really good. Oh, 
I missed doing stuff like that. Well, because we did the um the extra cases, didn't we? And we were trying to just escape well, as Kendo that, and stuff that like that. That challenge run or whatever it was, that and was it's it, like yeah. trying to get through without getting hit. Yeah, RE2, yeah. uh, the remake was phenomenal, to be honest. Um, next question from Jacob Wright. Do you think studios should hire video game consultants when adapting uh, game series into films or TV? With the recent Uncharted film, it just feels like studios have no idea what made that game popular <laughs> for a reason. Hashtag release the UBP mug. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, I know, right? Where is it? Where is it? We we need to get on our. Um, We've sent uh, it to the printers. We're just we're just waiting. Everything has uh, to be uh, our waited on. COO is in charge of its uh, yes. drop date at the moment. The Highland um, coup. He's doing Highland coup. Um, so the as I said before, with the uh, studios meddling with stuff and shaving all of the edges off to make things mm. as marketable a product as possible, the Uncharted movie is exactly a case of that. You've, ta- you've taken the stuff that you know will sell. You've put in enough set pieces to get the gamers involved mm. because they know that that set piece was in the game. It's like, oh, I know that thing. You know, the DiCaprio meme. meme thing. Yeah. And then it's just basically had the old, here is your three-act generic action blockbuster slapped all over it. There's three lines of dialogue that are funny because we can put <laughs> them into the trailer and we're done. Like It's really weird because Uncharted itself was based on Indiana Jones and those old yeah. swashbuckling movies, which now you've just made one, you've made the most generic version of that because you have to pick back apart the basics that went into it. And it's like the thing that elevated it was the interactivity in the video game side. Yep. And it's like, yeah, I mean, at that thing, I felt like it was doomed from the beginning. Like obviously the casting was horrendous. Like Mark Wahlberg is Sully is terrible. I, I love Tom Holland, but he's not Nathan Drake. Like, I mean, apparently in the finished film, he's better than people think, but it's still yeah. very much Tom Holland. Like, well, I mean, yeah. in the um, in interviews and stuff, he's been saying that he's not super happy with his performance in it no. because he was the it was the first time in any performance that he was doing poses and stuff like that to yeah, try and look yeah. video gamey. And it's yeah. like, mate, like that's not part of why we played the video game. We didn't no. sit there going like, oh, Nathan Drake looks cool in this moment. We're saying we are doing cool things. Like, See, I think with the amount of like 20 year old stuff that's coming back, there's this big nostalgia pull for like a 20 year old ago like even the super bowl mid performance yeah. was like here's some stuff from 20 years ago and i kind of wonder if you just did the nathan fillion version blown up into a full movie like everyone's always mm-hmm. too old to play drake that's the point like make him old but make him put him through that story and do it that way like do uncharted 4 story yeah um it's really weird i think i don't think they obviously they meant this to be a, a franchise like a sequels they've got probably there's a stinger at the end and stuff but i'll be amazed if if this is the uncharted film franchise to go back to the uh, the question though, hiring in consultants, they probably did for this uh, movie. They probably yeah. do for all of the movies. They probably hire in some people that have some sort of tangential knowledge of the mm. thing. But what they do is they take that knowledge on board and they just realize that either it's going to cost way too much, it's going to take too long to film tons of scenes to set it up in the way that you're condensing a 30 to 40 hour video game story into a two hour movie. Mm-hmm. And then they just go, right, well, the only way that we can normally get around this, we go from generic trope A to generic trope B like that's the that's the way yeah. that we do things here we'll take your feedback on board but we can't really change the machinations of cinema history I guess well. you can if you put money into it yeah right. and plus like, you're dealing with different mediums like you're taking something that's active active participation interactivity <laughs> whatever and you're transplanting it to a passive medium like you need to think about what makes those mediums work what are their yeah. strengths you can't just replicate the cutscenes from the game and go well there's the movie it's like well we had that anyway like with that the the plain set piece is exactly the same as it is in the game yeah you literally could just go onto YouTube type in Uncharted to cutscene movie and probably have a better example of a film yeah. because of the fact that you are stitching together there. Like it, I don't understand why they couldn't <laughs> even just do that at the bare minimum. Because I kind of I'm fascinated by um, what The Last of Us is going to feel like because that's obviously got Neil Druckmann on board, like fundamental, you know, head yeah. one of the creative directors and writers of, of The Last of Us. Um, so assumedly that show will, like, I think he'll have thought of all those things. How do I transplant this across? 
but yeah it it works that sort of stuff works better for tv though because you mm. get like hour long episodes you get 10 episode seasons so you've got effectively a 10 hour movie that you can make and mm-hmm. you are allowed to take time and build up certain characters show the development show how things interact within the game world and it makes sense because that's what we gamers are actually used to we're oh, actually yeah, used yeah. To taking time to get to learn why we like this person being told we like somebody within the first 30 minutes being say you like this guy this is what you (laughs) like it's just it doesn't work in the same like the ground rule is like show don't tell and it's like i feel like you get it battered over your head in this Mm -hmm. regard and we didn't talk about it actually but what's your thoughts on the bioshock movie it's because i oh sorry the bioshock movie yeah the netflix Netflix, yeah yeah. i'm 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 very excited, but I lo- mm. loads of people were like, oh, it's just a singular movie. Oh, no, I'm like, mate, I don't want any of Columbia. Columbia can get in no. the bin. Like, <laughs> only because of the fact that it's it's just a shallow imitation of what made the you original have the budget to do with like, Columbia, really. I will have to admit that we're probably not going to see anything from uh, Bioshock 2. We can probably mm. put that on the sideline as well. If they play it right, if they do it right, they will only have maybe one or two big daddies as the entire sort of like main Mm. focal point to it. The little sisters, you'll probably see them in fleeting glimpses. The main antagonist is always going to be Andrew Ryan and it should just be relentless taunting and that the moment, the moment that everyone remembers needs to be in there exactly as it is in the game because... If they try and change it, if they try and do a bait and switch by saying, oh, actually, it wasn't this in this version of uh, Rapture and Bioshock's story, mm-hmm. I will be very disappointed because that is, that's what made that game so good. Yes. It's just the bait and switch of like, oh, God, I actually understand why I've been playing like this the entire game. Well, so that was my thing with this, is that that's fundamental to video games. So I, when mm. they announced this as a movie, I'm like, well, the setting's great, and I like the idea of underwater cities and this, like, dystopia. Utopia becomes a dystopia, whatever. But it is fundamentally, like, a, it's like a fourth wall break almost. Like, it is this thing that addresses player agency. I'm like, you can't do that in a, in a passive medium. You need it to be active. Like you said, you're fundamentally playing it for that thing to land. So I, I don't know. I'm just like, why would you take this? And I saw this morning that they're adapting uh, Disco Elysium and Life is Strange. Yeah, that's and gonna like, be odd as well. Like, uh, uh, Disco is a phenomenal game, but like they're they're interactive. <laughs> like, yeah, you need, like I don't know what you could do really, uh, with unless you things. actually turn it into an interactive Netflix movie thing. Oh, where like you get that, to choose um, your decisions, like you do with the um, new thing that that's just Snatch, that thing that was on. Yeah, Bandersnatch. There's a new one that's coming out as well called Cat Burglar, I believe, where you actually get to choose <laughs> like if the cat makes it through. It's, it's like a kids TV show, but I was like, okay, fair enough. That's like, cool. That's, it's interesting, but that might be the only way to get a Disco yeah, Elysium TV I love show style up. Netflix experimenting with this stuff. It's like, well, maybe we'll have, we're going to launch games, lads. And it's like, what have you got? And they're like, oh, it's like a 2D Stranger, Th- Stranger Things yeah. game. And then it's like, now we're going to do interactive stuff. My biggest worry with the um, the Bioshock movie is that there's actually quite a lot of material to draw on uh, from the novel that came mm. uh, with it as well, because it explains Andrew Ryan's rise uh, to success and the reason why he decided to make Rapture. And also it tells you the story of like some of the engineers who worked on it, explaining mm. how the city actually like runs, like like questions that real like fans of the series would want to know. Like, yeah. I, I imagine that not many people care about how the trash system works, but I enjoyed oh, the cool. fact that they turned that into a capitalistic uh, capitalistic issue by having one trash vendor char- uh, dumping all of his trash in front of another person's store making them go bankrupt because no one wants right. to go near that like it's it, and no one's stopping it because uh-huh. it's like hey you can do what you want here um they need to capture that tone but my worry is is that a singular movie if it's going to do it justice mm-hmm. it needs to have a before rapture is in the state of chaos we find it in today yes. it shouldn't be man arrives and uh, sorry jack arrives and then it's just chaos from there on out because 
it kind of needs an establishing point, mm. a, a point of reference rather than just this is a horror film underwater. Because I wonder, they'll have to do, because it'll be, you know, it's for a new audience, assumedly. So it's like they'll have to do, here's, a, here's Johnny Know Nothing who goes in asking yeah. everything. So I wonder if mm. they still open it on the plane. You have a character. I, I almost imagine him like a Tom Holland, just going, oh, well, what's going on? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, what, it was a big daddy. What, what's this? And then, you know, they have to do it that way. Or maybe you open on Bioshock being made on, being built underwater bits and pieces, and you cut to like 20 years later or something like that. Yeah, maybe. There's, there's, there's plenty of ways to do this film mm. justice, but it's just, uh, it's scary because Netflix, obviously, it's got a lot of money to throw around. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it hasn't produced all of the classic hits that it thinks it has, you know? Yeah, I think that's the thing. I just, for me, I'm just, I'm too focused on the medium artistic mm. side of it mm -hmm. where I'm just, I don't know what this brings to the, the world. Like, I feel like the um, the games have already, in the Uncharted sense, we've, we've already had an Uncharted movie in the yeah. cutscenes. We've played yeah. it. Like, I, I'm always curious, like, or, or uh, skeptical on what can be done uh, going forward. But mm. yes, we got a massive response this week, as we always do. So we might carry a whole bunch of questions over to next week. But a huge thank you to everybody for sending in. In, all their different questions and talking points and everything else. We'll keep banging our heads against Sifu. I'm going to try and get the platinum. Lord <laughs> oh, help do me. Do it, mate. Do it, mate. You've got to finish it with, um, without uh, staying under age 25. So that means you can die like That's twice rough, or something. Man. Because um, I, cause I yeah. went back through a few of the earlier levels just to try and get my age down. Mm. So I managed to get through. Uh, what did I say to you before? It was uh, I got through age 20. You're pretty uh, 20, low, 20, 23, level one, and level okay. two, I was at 29. So obviously, I've missed out on the platinum. I need to go back and perfect even you, more you've now. You've got it like in you, though. I was saying to Josh, I was like, once you get the moves in you, your muscle memory reacts, and you can actually block all those different moves. It was just, I just like having the permanent unlocks as well, because I'm like yes. back and strong. It's like, throw that ball at me. I dare you. Come oh, on, man, breathe. There's, like, there's a move you can get, and I forget what it's called now, but there's a move you unlock um, that lets you sort of like fake someone out. So they go to hit you. You just stand there, and then you tap them on the back of the head. Oh, amazing. And it gives you like, like a, a taunt like a, sort of thing. Yeah, like a taunt thing. It gives you like a time five multiplier immediately oh, so that's stuff so like good. that's really cool um but yeah massive thank you to everybody this has been the ubp the ubp ubp ubp, the UBP. i've been scott taylor joined by jules gill thanks for having me and we'll catch you next time bye everyone bye Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.